welcome to episode 17 of Fitness Unfiltered. I'm Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and today I speak with my fave, Kim Ngo. Kim is a Nike trainer. She has been in the fitness industry just for four years. Uh, she set up an amazing movement, I'm going to call it, called Food and Lycra seven years ago. And herself and her two business partners in that have done phenomenally well and created a huge amount of change in terms of movement, particularly for young women, which obviously I'm a big fan of. Kim and I, um, we are like ships passing in the night. We love each other dearly, but we, we very rarely get to spend a huge amount of time together. So to have 50 precious minutes where we just sit down and we chat about everything Kim has done in the last four years is just amazing and such a, a treat for me. So I hope you enjoy the show. Um, we talk about Kim's transition from being an accountant into becoming one of London's mega trainers, I'm going to call her, and also her most defining moments, how she continues her trainer development now, and lots of other good stuff in between. So I really hope you enjoy the show. You will absolutely fall in love with Kim if you do not know of her already. And if you like it, of course, I'd love you to leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. Enjoy the show. Kimmy! How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I miss you. You too, but it's an absolute honor to be on your podcast. This is like oh. holy great women's fitness podcasts, <laughs> and you invited me. I'm like, <laughs> not at all. God, such a pleasure, such a such a pleasure. Kimmy, tell people about yourselves, even though the world feel like everyone knows who Kim is, but but just tell the people that don't know. If you don't know me, my name's Kim. I am a Nike trainer mainly doing fit like group fitness instructing. I also PT and seven years ago I co-founded a food and fitness platform called Food and Lycra with my two friends Rachel and Laura and today that platform um, helps young people mainly women realize their potential for movement and fitness. Amazing perfect and we started working together officially I know that when we were having our conversation before we actually pressed record, I thought it was just about two or three years ago that we met and you corrected me on that. And it was about seven years ago in the Food and Lycra days, but officially as colleagues, it was two and a half, three years, maybe something like that. You were at the first Women in Fitness Summit and then you spoke at the, no, did you speak at the very first one? Yes, you did. You spoke yeah. at the very first one, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. I loved your story and I love, I continue to love your story about how you got into fitness and it was against your mother's wishes. <laughs> so can you tell that, can you tell that story again, Kim? Yes, of course. So I don't know where you want me to start from though, because I could start from the very beginning. Start from the very beginning, babes. We've got time. I always go over time, but you know. I'll rewind it right back then. Um, so growing up, I... My mum didn't have a lot of money. She comes from like the generation where like she didn't have all the opportunities to study and excel in that field and get like a what she would see as like a solid job, which earns you good money to look after your family. She's hustled, basically. She came to the UK mm. and she 
worked as like in a cafeteria in Wales and then when she moved to London she worked in manufacturing like in a in a sewing factory on Hackney Road when Hackney was very different so she was like the only route for my children is them to study hard and for me, I loved art and music. And she was like, well, no, that's not going to earn you any money. You better do maths and this, et cetera, et cetera. So I did as I was told with some rebellion in between, but she put me under manners and I ended up doing maths degree, which wasn't too bad wow. in the end. Like I, I do enjoy maths, not as much as I do like creative stuff, but I, I did it and like my whole aim during that time was like, okay, I need to earn a lot of money because I need to get my mum out of this grotty council t- flat that we've grown up in. So that was my aim. And the only way I knew how to do that was to go into investment banking. But that was mm-hmm. 2009 when I graduated and it was like the credit crunch. So there was no... Yeah nothing basically the whole recession happened and there was no opportunities there so I went into this scheme called Teach First which is a scheme that puts you into challenging schools for two years you teach you get your teaching qualification and then after those two years you still have the opportunity to go into investment banking which is quite competitive and normally they they only accept people after graduating from uni but this scheme gave you kind of like a two years doing teaching and then you could go into investment banking did the teaching okay. was a maths teacher Holloway absolutely mm-hmm. loved it hardest two years of my life no one can ever tell wow. me that teachers are not amazing they are incredible I'm sure everyone understands that now where, where everyone's at home with their children <laughs> and that taught me a lot actually being able to manage a group of 30 children who don't want to learn math and getting them to learn math is no easy task so it taught me a lot mm. it was tough but it was amazing how old how old were they Kim they were secondary in sixth form and then after those two years I decided to keep going with my goal to buy my mum a house applied for a job in the city um I didn't end up going into investment banking but I ended up in a big four company which is um basically professional services where they audit the big companies so four years into it I am now I be, I know three years into it I become a chartered accountant and I, I mm-hmm. know what I had no idea what I signed up for I didn't even aim to do that I just ended up there mm-hmm. doing exams and then two twos I'm an accountant spent five years there and I really hated it and during that time, having food in Lycra kept me sane. Like we did a lot of races mm-hmm. and we ran loads of half marathons and a marathon and did a lot of events with Nike and it was amazing. And I was just like, why, how can I make this my full-time job? How can it like this gives, brings me so much joy. So during that time when I was in the city working, I, I was really depressed actually. Like I, I couldn't it was so hard to get up to go to work and the the reason was that I just felt like I wasn't making a difference in anyone's life and I didn't actually enjoy any of the work I was doing so I kind of while I was there I brainstorm and I wrote down everything I hated about my current situation and it had things on there like wearing a suit every day wearing heels every day having to be in a nine to five routine or 
Kimmy, I can't imagine you in heels and a suit. <laughs> I'll find some pictures and I'll send it to you <laughs> of me in the office at 11pm at night, stressed out my nut. What kept me sane was going on runs and doing stuff with food and lycra. And then during that time, mm. like I think it was my fourth year, Shara, who now works at Dose, was working at One Rebel and she messaged us when that One Rebel had first opened and my bus is in Food and Lycra and asked if any of us wanted mm. to audition to become a trainer at this new club that's opening. And Laura, I asked Laura and Rachel, I was like, do you guys want to do this? And they were like, hell no. <laughs> and I said, I might go for it, you know. I might actually just go for it. Um, they were like, yeah, go for yeah. it, Kim. So, I went along to the audition. It was it was funny because this was like back when One Rebel had just started. So it was me one-on-one with the head coach at the time. I was just doing mm. random music. But he let me in and I I got in, did all the training, got the qualific- qualifications. It took a long time to get everything yeah. sorted. About a year, like a lot of people don't know that I was grinding for a year while mm. working in the qualification and, by that you mean what, like your level two fitness and stuff? Yeah, level two and my level three, and doing the training at One Rebel as well to be able to. I don't, I don't know why I just went for the hardest class to teach, which is reshape, where mm. you have to be in line with music. You can't, your timing can't go off, and you're also teaching two modalities like treadmill and floor work. So I literally mm. jumped into weekend which is part of the reason it took so long to train up for it but then I got it and then I started teaching on the side of working which took me up to working seven days a week but I quickly realized I didn't need to be paid to do to come in to teach I would have happily turned up paid 50 pound to teach a class of people because (laughs) I love wow so I was doing that part-time for like six months. And then I just said to my boss, I really just want to do this full-time. They gave me the blessing and I took a career break for a year and mm. did it full-time. And then at the end of that career break, I was just like, I'm not coming back. I can't imagine going back. This is my life now. Mm. But before I made that decision, I yeah. got a up and I calculated how much I need to work to cover my bills to be able to feed myself and I said to my boyfriend you know what like maybe no more holidays for a while and a couple of sacrifices but this is for my sanity and then the rest is history that was like four years ago so good so so good so when you were kind of like okay right this is going from something I love to do and this is this is what keeps me sane was there any hesitation in terms of um going from this career that doesn't make me feel good into something that I enjoy was there any fear at any point of am I going to be good at this am I going to be good enough yeah did you have any of those because I mean so many people I know love fitness and, and want to you know work in the industry but have this massive fear of what if I'm not good enough? Did you was there anything like that, or was that period of time that you had to, I guess, transition into it? Was that enough to suggest that yeah, you were going to be fine, or was there any like, oh, what am I doing? During the time when I was doing it part time, I got a lot of good feedback, which just motivated me to do better and keep going. 
And I guess as a group instructor, you are laid bare. And if people don't like you, you'll quickly Mm. know. I guess it's a funny one. If you go into it with with the mindset that you just want to help people, I think it just becomes Mm. a lot easier because you your goal is to get your clients happy and keep them safe. That that should be your goal. And if that's not your goal, it's it's a quick failure. So I I guess I didn't really, I kind of went with the flow. I didn't overthink it. And Mm. I just wanted to do good by my clients. The the 40 people or 20 people, if it was even three people in the room, I always just thought, Mm. what is the best thing that I can do for them in this 45 minutes? So it was less about me, it was more about them. Yeah, amazing. So so you do obviously group X and you also do PT as well. And there's quite, I mean, I personally feel that group X world has just, it feels like it's really just massively come into itself in the last kind of five to seven years. It's very different now from what it used to be in terms of even just like boutique spaces and all that kind of stuff. But what do you feel the difference is? Because I think there's a big difference. And I think that 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 PTs can be very, very snobby about Group X. But actually, the more I see of it, the more I beg to differ on that point. So what's your view on that, Kimmy? Yeah, I when entering the space, I had no idea what, to be honest, I was so, I just didn't get that there is a difference between group instructors and PTs. And now mm. that I'm further in the industry, I'm just like, whoa, the difference is crazy. And previously, yeah. I kind of shied away uh, and said, oh, yeah, I'm only a group instructor. And I felt mm. like so inferior to, because at the, at the beginning of my career, I, I didn't PT and I felt inferior to PTs with all their knowledge and, and it's, it's mm. easy to, to feel that way, but I definitely disagree with that now. And the two roles are so different. So not every, the best PT yeah. in the world, not necessarily the best group instructor as well. And vice versa as well, the best group instructor in the world isn't necessarily the best PT. The skill sets are completely different. And it's rare that you have the two as well that combine. I think with group instruction, you have to almost be a PT to many people, Mm. coach within a small amount of time so that everybody understands, make everyone feel like they're getting a one to one experience, but also make them feel like they're in the party, you have to be a DJ, yeah. you have to be an MC. Every second needs to be curated in that experience. Whereas in a PT, mm. it's one-on-one experience. You are taking somebody on a journey of whatever their goals are. And you don't have to curate every second of that hour session you've got with your client. You know, you, you come in with a plan, mm. but if that person mm. can't lunge that day, you adapt. But in yeah. a class, if yeah. one person at lunch, you're saying, right, you're going to do this instead. Everybody else, you're lunging. It's such a different skill set. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so obviously my background is PT. And then probably I started coaching CrossFit, I guess about, would probably be about, let me think, probably about eight, seven, eight years ago now. 
And whilst it wasn't the full class experience in terms of music and it didn't necessarily have to be super choreographed and by choreographed, I just mean not like a dance class, but just the timing of everything working perfectly. I really got a kick out of getting 20 people in order, getting them all working, having a certain amount of time to make sure everybody's moving safely and everyone can hear you and everyone's paying attention. But that was still a class that was kind of um, broken down and a little little bit of a slower pace, I guess, than something like what you would have taught or what you teach which is that that kind of dual concept or or whatever and it's it it, you know so that I feel like is an in-between to then the fully curated class and I remember one time we had overhead squats sweet Jesus and I had like the, 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 the busiest class in the world and I was like Oh God. Okay, right. Here we go. <laughs> Make sure nobody dies. But actually at the end of it, I had delivered it safely. It felt so good to be able to, to take that challenge, to deliver it in a good way. And for people to walk out and be like, I felt seen and heard in that session. Thank you. And away you go. So it's a real, but, but you will have got that multiple times a day presumably yeah but I mean I think those kind of classes are exactly what you said the in between between like the the boutique classes which are really highly curated and that's kind of like what you did was group PT which is so tough as well Mm -hmm. because I I wouldn't be doing overhead squats in a 40 person class you know, like it, yeah, yeah. Sense with those barbells flying about. I don't even know a studio that has enough room for 40 barbells anyway. But, yeah. you know, like it was a challenge that 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 one sticks out in my mind because I remember seeing it and being like, okay, shit, I've got full <laughs> class. I know that a few of these people definitely cannot overheads. So it was just, it was that kind of thinking on your feet piece yeah sorry but there, there wasn't 40 it was only about 22 or something but still enough if lots of people couldn't do it hard because I've, I've taught some group it's more group pt i call it and it's tough mm. because you, the like differentiation in terms of ability can be huge you might have someone mm. who's never lifted before and someone who's really comfortable yeah. and then managing the room so that you can make both of those people feel seen and heard. But yeah, now, now I I don't see it as group instructors are the lesser at all. If you're if you're a good group instructor, that's a skill set. Which is it's really nice actually. Because yeah. um it's nice that the industry's changed in that way. I think so, yeah. And group instructors are being recognised more. I guess it's just in the to become a group instructor, you need a level two only. And with the PT qualification, to become a PT, you need the level three. And then I guess people then start to think, oh, well, you're lesser if you're a group instructor because that's only a level two. That you yeah. Need to yeah. I think obviously it's beneficial to have that kind of deeper knowledge, but I'm sure there are a ton of level two only that would still absolutely kill a class in comparison to somebody who has their their level two and level three. And actually, I'm just thinking back to, I'm getting better at it, Kimmy, but I'm by far not even close to being halfway decent. But I'm thinking back to once when we did one of the Nike women 
10Ks. And I led the warm up on the stage. And there I was with my PT head on being like, right, right, we need to, uh, you know, open up the hip flexors and activate the glutes and do all of this stuff and being really technical. And Greg Sellers, who was a Nike trainer, a Nike master trainer at the time with myself. And I remember getting off the stage and him being going, him going, Jocelyn, that was so boring. You lost them after a minute. And I was like, I did. I did lose them after a minute, didn't I? It's <laughs> just like, that was so dry. <laughs> I can't believe that for a second. No, trust me. They, 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 they got out of their flipping deep lunge and were like standing around wondering when the race is going to start. Anyway, you live and you learn. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's such a talent to be able to do it and to deliver it and to do it well and it's just uh yeah I think that and I think I think people people will continue to change their attitudes around that and some people don't want to be in that one-to-one setting they want to be in a class where they're with other people where they're motivated by other people and if they've got an instructor who's leading that class who is phenomenal like yourself and like you know a ton of the people that we work with then it's a it's an even you know bigger bonus so yay to you what would you say how do you work on your own development as a coach? Obviously, you're still, you know, in, in some respects, you know, so I've been doing this for 17 years. You're four years in. What's your focus for your continued development as a coach? How do you do that now as Kim four years in, who's who's already had an amazing career so far? So I can rewind it back to when I first became a group instructor and I did all the training in-house with One Rebel and the journey never stops, right? The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And I was just hungry. Mm. I was just like, I need to learn more. I need to educate my clients. I need to do better by them. So that was, that's always been the thing at the back of my head. So I went out mm. and got my coach. Mm-hmm. So my first thing was I wanted to PT more. And in order to PT, I, I, even though I did the level three, I came out of that, which I'm sure a lot of people do still now came out of that feeling like they mm. did I didn't know what to do still I didn't know how to PT so I thought I might as well get a PT mm. and see what they do <laughs> so I got myself yeah. a PT and it happened to be a really great PT shout out Kim who's a S&T coach as well and I just mm. I was really upfront with him and transparent I was just like mate I'm paying you to be my mentor <laughs> and I want to mm-hmm. speak yeah. ideas with you I, I want to and if you don't mind, I want to pick your brains and, and ask you why you do things and what, and, and it was great for me. That's what, that was one of the best ways for me. I need to, to learn. I need to do like I'm a kinesthetic learner yeah. and visual. So mm. doing that with him, I, I learned so much that I could then in that one to one setting, it's different. Right. And then I would translate it into my programming and, how it would work and mm. I'd look at sprinting and the mechanics of it, which is like fascinating and how to become a better sprinter. Mm. And in my tread in, in my classes, there's treadmills, there's running and like what's the in between. And it's, it just became really fascinating yeah. and I'll just read more and mm. see what I needed to do by my clients to make them better runners. At the end of the day, all of them are runners because they're in there running on treadmills. So mm. I treat, the floor 
part of the workout with the dumbbells as make it, helping them become better runners when they get onto the treadmill. Yeah, that's really helped me. And then I started PTing more and that yeah. then really helped me as well. So the PTing, yeah. like, I really enjoyed that too, but that complemented my mm. group instruction so much. So, that, so that's how, what I did and still do to become a better trainer. I think every coach needs a coach. There's always more to learn and there's yeah. no shame in that yeah. you are being by someone um at first I was yeah, really confident I was like oh I feel awkward I'm a PT going to get a PT but there's no shame in that because yeah. like yourself I, w- I would love to be PT by you just to get some of your knowledge you know your years of knowledge <laughs> I completely agree I think that the more you learn the more you realize that you've got so much more to learn and also there's stuff now like that I would do less of simply because I haven't done it in a while. And I, I, I tend to get really obsessed with certain topics or, or ways of working. And I will listen to everything and read everything about that. But if I fall out of love with that topic for whatever reason, to go back into it, I really have to kind of go back to square one with it because I've in fitness and in training, like it's such a, a vast, topic that you could move into any piece of it and go down the deepest of rabbit holes but not be able to cover a lot of other things and so that you have to continue to refresh your knowledge like you know for me that's what keeps me interested that was that was one of the things one of the reasons why I loved doing CrossFit so much was that there were so many things you know to improve at any given time. And now I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just lifting and I'm, and I'm doing some running and I'm, and I'm trying to do some mobility. So I'm, I'm kind of doing less. I'm not competing and all that kind of stuff. But to me, I, I get bored very, very quickly so that there's so much to continually learn in this sphere of, of fitness. It certainly keeps me out of trouble. And I agree, like absolutely no shame in being coached by somebody else. I, at several points throughout my career, have have been coached by other people. And also, I think it's also fine to say, do you know what? I don't actually, I don't, you know, if somebody asked me a question about something, say that actually that's not my area of expertise, but maybe go to this someone, this person, they, you know, they know about it a lot more or whatever. And I think also that in the industry, sometimes there can be, you know, a lot of, a lot of putting down of other coaches for what they're doing or their methods or, you know, whatever. But if that person's doing something that's getting somebody moving and your method isn't getting that same person moving, then they're doing something right, you know. And, and one of the things that, you know, Courtney, obviously, who we both know and love is, is, um, has been talking about recently is this idea that, you know, the fitness industry is saturated and, you know, there's still such a a small portion of people who train that actually it isn't at all. And everybody is welcome in the industry because they're going to get more, you know, the more people that are, that are in it, the more people that ultimately we're going to get to, to move as a collective. So I agree. Lots of knowledge, always be coached. I don't think I'll ever not be coached or learn from other other people, both with more and less experience than me. You know, I've learned, you've been doing this four years. I've been doing this 
17 years, I've learned so much from you and how you do things. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what I also love about the industry as well. Every Everybody has something to offer, irrespective of their years of, of experience. Yeah, it's 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 super cool. And I, and I love it for that. That's why you are amazing at what you do, because you've got 17 years of experience, but you don't then look down on someone who's just come into the industry because you are so open to learning and you know that everybody brings a different piece of pie to the table. I don't know if that's a saying, but it makes sense in my Regardless of how amazing you are, there's always something that someone can teach you whether they're great or not so great, there's always a lesson. And and also on that as well, recently I was listening to, a, I think it was a Tim Ferriss podcast. And actually I don't really listen to him that often, but I've been, I've been listening to him for the past week or so. And there was a guy on who, I, I actually don't know his name, but I think he, I want to say he's an economist of some sort. And he was just talking about learning and learning from people. And he, and he believes that you learn a lot through travel, through seeing how other cultures work. Like he, he watched, um, he watches a lot of Spanish television because he feels like he learns about other cultures via that. And, um, he was just basically talking about how much he learns from those outside of his own industry or I guess sphere of influence. And I, I, it just kind of came to me. I was like, God, yeah, you know, you can get so, caught up in the world of of fitness which obviously I love it's my job it's my work I would never do anything else um and and there there have been years where I found it stressful and I've fallen out of love with it but I've I've it's I've always been in in fitness and I'll never I'll never do anything other than that but I think that not only can we learn from other coaches you know within the industry but to sort of then look outside of it because the, the fitness industry is is quite in your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of, once you're in it, you sort of can't escape it. And actually it's quite a joy to look at other areas outside of fitness, to learn from them and see how they do things. And it kind of gives you a bit of a wider perspective, I guess, on then how you go back in and do your own job. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting and never ending from a learning perspective. Definitely. Okay. So my next question is so far, what have been the most defining moments in your career? I recently did a TV show, which I never thought I would do a reality TV show, which is, is definitely not my bag, but I guess well, the TV show is SAS Who Dares Wins. And if you've never seen it before, mm. it's the most brutal. It's a madness. <laughs> it's a madness. Because I used to watch it. And you know what? To be honest, I never watched it because I'm not really into kind of like combat military kind of stuff. But last mm. year, a friend of mine did it. And I thought, you know what? Let me give it a go, watch it. I just watched it thinking, bloody hell, these people are bonkers. Why are they doing this? <laughs> I was just like, no, this is crazy. And then I got a message late last year, like around October. No, not October. No, yes, October, September, October, saying, have you heard of SAS Who There's Wins? Would you like to take part in it? <laughs> and it was a DM. I was just like, nah, I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> what is this? 
<laughs> and then I got an email asking, oh, you know what, we've contacted you about this, we're contacting you again. So I thought, okay, let me not be rude. Let me uh, reply. Yeah. They said, oh, let's just have a phone conversation. Let's make it a Skype call. I have, I'd have a Skype call with this guy, Daniel, who's really safe, but um, he got me into this mess. <laughs> and we, we had a Skype call. He said, I'm going to record it if you don't mind. I was like, sure. So first question, why do you want to do SAS 2 There's Wins? I was like, mate, I, I don't want to do <laughs> you it. You contacted me, right? <laughs> you contacted me. <laughs> Tell me why you want me to do this right now. And he's just like, go with it, go with it. I was just like, Lord, okay, I'll let me answer these questions. And then a couple hours later, he calls me up. Kim, the execs love your video. Here's the fitness test. Up to you if you want to do them. Of course, if you put fitness tests in, <laughs> fitness professional. It's like, like, right, like, where do right. I sign? Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm going to do these. I just want to know if I can get in. That's all I want to know. Did the fitness tests. Got in. Daniel calls me up. You've got the last space on the show. Do you want it or not? And I was oh like, gosh. oh my God. gosh. We go next week. That's what he said. He was, we go next week. I'll send you the training plan. And you were like, sorry, what? <laughs> training plan? I'm going for a week. What are you talking about? <laughs> so um, I ended up taking the case. I did it. And I tell you what, it was the toughest, worst, but most amazing experience of my life. I learned so much about myself. Um, and. I honestly, it was it was so so tough. The eleven days were so tough, but I I would have regretted it so much if I didn't say yes to doing it. And it's not my bag. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like all of that suffering. But um, if you tell me I need to get something done, I'll I'll do the job. That's that's the thing about me. So You'll if it, it, yeah, I'll, I'll do it if you if you it needs to be done and. The mindset of those SAS guys is another level. It was fascinating to just be around them and hear what mm. they say and how they approach things. And it, it was just a huge lesson in resilience and being being where your feet are, being in the moment. Because even though it was physically tough and let's mm. not kick here the females definitely had a tougher deal because we did exactly the same thing as men there was no here's a heavier weight for men here's a lighter weight for women based on your body weight it was none of that everyone is equal in there there were stronger men and bigger men faster men than me who went out earlier so that whole thing is definitely a test of your mind right wow I did not know that they did not I thought that let's say men carry, I don't know, 20 kilo, whatever, and the women would carry 15. So if we pet, they, they'll say, tell us in the courtyard next to the person, with the person next to you, I had good old James who was 90 to 100 kilo, kilograms and I had to fireman's carry him across the courtyard. <laughs> Babes. <laughs> you like, listen, James. <laughs> I don't know like, how you're going to do this. I feel light, brother. Like, I, <laughs> tighten that body up you better tighten that body up so I can drag you right now yes. <laughs> um, 
and what they say, you can't, you can't complain because they'll just say to you, every man deserves to go home. So if it was you and your and your buddy on the, and your pal on the battlefield and yes. unfortunately passed, then they you need to take them home to your, their family. And that's their mindset. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I've got to get the yeah, job done, yeah. whether it takes me four days or two hours, you know, or 20 seconds, you, you just got to get it done. Wow. And did that then, obviously, so you went through those 11 days, because I remember when we were we, we were on a trip up it, where were we? Where did we go? Uh, myself, yourself and Courts, I can't remember. Um, we went oh. somewhere on a train anyway. And I remember you said, because you're only you only back maybe a week or something, or maybe two weeks. And I remember you saying on the train, can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop. And, and to me, like, and even still now, and I still haven't seen all of the episodes because I want to be able to just sit down and just be uninterrupted and just watch my Kimmy go. But I, I, I feel like I can't even imagine, like, I can't even imagine in my head what it would have been like, you know, and I guess you just become, I don't know. Like, do do you just become outside of yourself? Like, are you? Does it feel like it's completely surreal, or what? Do, like, I yeah, I can't imagine it. Tell me, what's it like, Kim? After it, it consumed me so much for months. I was in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I was playing tasks in my head and what I could have done better because you just get one wow. shot at tasks, and if you fail it, you're just like, why did I do that? Right. I, but there's right. so many reasons in every failure. And if you fail while you're in there and you feel like you're failing, you're going to VW, which means volu- voluntarily withdraw because your mind eats you up. It did consume me for a long time after. And the, I was a bit anxious about it all going out because I didn't know how I was going to be shown on there. Yeah. Get any control. Yeah. Honestly, the, the best thing about it was realizing how strong I am I I never knew which is a Mm. bit of a like it feels weird to say that because I'm not the kind of person who'd be like oh yeah I'm strong yeah you know but I can and do you mean physically or do you mean mentally or both both I think I I've got a lot more confidence the fact that I can if you give me something I will get it done and just that focus and resilience to, to do that. And it's, it also makes me realize that not everyone has got that or some people find mm. it hard to do that. And there, there was a lot of reflection after it as well. And I was, I've been kind of trying to, there's still reflection in it, like what makes those SAS guys like what they are basically and and what kind of person mm that um it's I, f- I find it really fascinating but yeah, yeah I, I do feel much more confident in in me now which is a huge gift I think but it, it was yeah, a bloody hard amazing. to get I had to work hard for it <laughs> that was so interesting that you found that whilst you were there I guess that resilience was was tested whilst you were there as opposed to you know, you going into it and being like, right. So I remember we had a couple of chats and I was like, right, Kimmy, just make sure you go in there and represent girl. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm sure like other people will have gone in there and been like, right, I'm mentally tough. I'm physically tough. And then reality may have been very different for them. 
I didn't go in there trying to prove anything that I think I went yeah. in there wanting to get a lesson from every single experience and it was just a course for me yeah. which is, is what all the SAS guys refer to it as it is a course right. every task is a lesson whether you choose but then it is our, our minds are funny it's whether you choose to let it be a lesson or not it's so easy to let the suffering become a part of you and just think why am I suffering I'm just suffering or you could just say right yeah. this 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 is all for a reason every single thing became a reason in there like us standing in the cold water for 15 minutes or laying in the sea for mm. 15 minutes it being freezing I never saw it as no, them not one five or five zero uh, no one five one five Okay, okay. Just want to check the level of, as I visualize in my head, if I could ever do this. If it's a five zero, it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> I probably couldn't even do five, to be honest. <laughs> I, I knew that I was in safe hands and that they weren't going to take me to, well, I mean, some people got hyperthermia. Let's, let's be real. It was, it was very like on edge. But in my head, I just knew that there was a reason. So if we was in the sea, freezing cold for 15 minutes, in my head, I said to mm. myself, they have put us in here because we have been running up and down yesterday. And this is an ice bath. So we need this right. muscle, you know. Hey, such good perspective. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, so is going to make And if we, if we were in the cold for ages and they got us running up and down these crazy inclines I just knew it was just to warm us up because we were cold or if we were dripping wet and they asked us to mm-hmm. run I knew they needed us to get dry so we'd have to run in those yeah. and they were just looking after us really and testing us help they just wanted to help us wow that is that is one hell of a reframe <laughs> so good so so good they got you through because you came third right there's no first, second and third, but it's it's a pass or fail course. And I completed the course, but I didn't pass because I, the last task I didn't pass. But you need to see it. You need to see it so I can explain it to you more. Yeah, listen, I'm just, I'm just, now I've got more time. I am going to sit down. I'm going to watch every episode and be like cheering you on from the comfort of my lounge. Kim, what would you tell Kim four years ago? I'd tell her to keep going, keep following her heart. And obviously, don't go too crazy. Like take risks, but also have backup plans. Always have a backup plan. You need a plan A, Mm. but you also plan B and a plan C just in case shit hits the fan mm-hmm. which as we know now mm-hmm. it can really easily happen and a lot of the time it is out of your hands take the opportunities even if it will you know the ones that make you really uncomfortable those are the ones that you probably need to do those are the ones where, which hold the greatest lessons do them and you won't yeah. you won't regret it you've got to I always think that being really excited about something and being really scared of it at the same time means that you are in exactly the right place. Yeah, definitely. If you are scared, it it means you're going to a place that is unknown and that unknown Mm. place is where you learn about yourself. If you you Mm. are 
always comfortable, there's no learning there and mm. and there's no development and there's no growth. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Oh my gosh, Kim, I've loved every moment of this, not least because, you know, even when we're together, we don't have a glorious 15 luxurious, not 50, sorry, luxurious minutes to talk. And even though I already know you so well, I feel like I've got to know you even, even better. I know I've heard all of these stories before, but it just, it just feels like it's been really lovely just to kind of hear it all again and played out and just chatting about the industry and fitness and all of that good stuff. So, oh my goodness, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the show. Any last words of of wisdom? Last words of wisdom. Keep being you. And if you're lost in this industry, really listen to your heart. And especially when it sings. When your heart is singing, that's where you need to be. Amazing. Amazing. Kim, you know I love you so much. Thank you so much, my darling. Lots and lots of love to you. This is what we need. This is what I needed four years ago as well, and I still continue to need. So thank you. Oh, no, you are so welcome, my darling. I will see you very soon. Lots and lots of love. <laughs>